Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamline, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. I'm Dr. Wendy Patrick. My co-host is Larry Dersham. He is an estate planning attorney, constitutional law expert, and a hearing officer for the County of San Diego. You heard it. It's time for the headlines streamlined and with a silver lining. And we're going to find one tonight, even though we do have some concerning news, as we've had for the last several weeks. Topping the news tonight continues to be the aftermath of the George Floyd demonstrations, protests, and riots. They are continuing as we speak. Why? Why have they gone on so long? And why are some of the protesters bowing to continue into the summer? Well, think about it. Think about how this all came about. Many of these people just spent three months cooped up at home in quarantine. Many of them lost their jobs. Optimism was low, anxiety was high, making some of them like dry tinder and the George Floyd killing was the spark. As many of them were doing everything they could to protect themselves and their loved ones from becoming infected with the virus, they saw George Floyd beat COVID-19 only to lose his life to police. So they voiced their outrage and the rest of the nation joined them. But unfortunately, not all of the protesting has been peaceful. And here is where the story takes a darker turn. Not only have we seen riots and looting and crime, but we've seen this movement called, called defund the police. Now, just listening to those words strikes fear into the average law-abiding citizen, wondering what in the world that means. Does that mean when you, you hear glass breaking in the middle of the night and a burglar is is really crawling through the window into your home that there's nobody you can call anymore. There's no 911. There'll be nobody on the other line. Well, thankfully, that is not what it means. It is not a movement to establish mob rule or some sort of a vigilante justice system. They're not saying ban the blue, but maybe policing the police. Remember that defund doesn't mean unfund. What this movement is looking at is maybe in some communities, because remember, policing is local and there are different communities all across the nation where they're looking at this. Do they wanna see greater transparency? Where is the money coming from? Is it local, is it federal, is it state? What is it being used for? Is there some portion of it that we can reinvest back into the community that the good cops took a vow to protect and to serve and to see if maybe some of that can't go to preventing crime? Can it go to education, schools, jobs, healthcare, the mental health system? That is what most people are looking at when they're talking about defund police. It's more of a refunding police, reinvesting into the police force. Now, part of the confusion surrounding that movement has to do really with the fact that there are so many good policemen, good police women, and good law enforcement professionals all across the nation. I mean, think about what police officers do. They're the first on the scene. They not only save lives, they're delivering babies, they're performing mouth to mouth, they're engaging in crowd control at events, 
traffic control at, at accident scenes. They're triaging emergencies because they are the first ones there. And if you follow Twitter like I do, what you don't see on headline news, you do see there. They're flipping burgers at neighborhood events and they're bringing ice cream cones and toys to children. This is what the good police officers do all across the nation. These are the people that we support. These are the people the protesters support. And what you don't see more of is the bonding that's been going on between the good police officers and the good protesters that are getting to know the men and women that are policing their communities and keeping them safe, ironically, as they protest. But not only that, we're also seeing businesses become tied in with this movement. This just in, truck drivers say they won't deliver. They won't deliver goods to cities with defunded police departments. They are afraid for their lives watching the television as so many other people are. Can you blame them? I mean, we're a country of laws, but what has become of law and order? Well, yes, Wendy, on the defunding side, uh, the Minneapolis City Council on Sunday, June 7th, voted to disband the police department. Then on Friday, June 12th, a few days later, they passed a resolution to pursue replacing the police department with uh, community-led public safety uh, programs. Also, it's kind of a, it carries on to other cities. Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti has already committed to defunding the Los Angeles Police Department by $150 million, removing over 10% of their budget. In New York City, 48 Democratic candidates and the Manhattan District Attorney have sent a letter demanding $1 billion be cut from the New York Police Department's budget. That's a pretty big cut. So What's why, the result of all that? What's going to happen with all of that? those budget cuts? I don't know. Why are they taking away the funding, though? Because it's going to remove the police presence in high-crime areas in those cities that do defund. What you want to do, Wendy, I think, is more training, not less, to avoid the George Floyd type of incident so they never happen again. You right. want more resources for the police not less, so they can protect the communities. And what's interesting is the police officers that are involved, they want to not only protect the communities, but they welcome that investment. What we don't want to see happen is salaries get slashed so good people don't apply for those jobs because we need good people on those jobs. Everybody is in agreement. There are so many points being made at these George Floyd protests that everybody agrees with. And having more good cops on the force is one of them. What happens if you don't? Case in point. I wouldn't say this just in, this has been happening for a couple of days, but this just in, in terms of a developing situation. Over 48 hours, remember this Seattle Autonomous Zone? Have you been following this? They're known as the CHAZ, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Uh, not a block party, as you've heard some people uh, probably uh, ill-advised that described it that way, but they're in a little bit of trouble. They apparently have a food shortage. They have an overbearing warlord, as he's been referred to, and a 30-point list of demands for Seattle lawmakers. I mean, this sounds like a hostage negotiation. This certainly doesn't sound like what maybe some of the people intended for this to be. But they're talking about, on this 30-point list, defunding and, get this, abolishing the police. Okay, nobody wants that. What if they have an emergency and need to call 911? They want a fully socialist health care system, I guess, is also on that list. College free for Seattle residents. 
Um, and remember, this is the group that's taken over those three blocks, um, four blocks, I guess it is. But where do they go from here? I mean, what's next? Do they elect a president? Do they try to have some sort of a system of government? Is this a sustainable model? And who makes the rules? And more importantly, with respect to this defund police movement, who enforces them? And if you follow Twitter on this one, what you see is an incredible amount of infighting. I'm gonna quote one of my favorite Bible verses here, a house divided cannot stand. How is this movement going to sustain itself? Well, Wendy, uh, we are a, a news show and uh, news continues to happen even though, even on the weekend. So uh, this is just in. Hell's Angels and the Mongols are right now, this moment, riding together on their way to Seattle to scrap with the Antifa terrorists. Now, that can't come out good. I hope law enforcement steps in. But the mayor of Seattle, Washington, is, is characterizing that as a block party. And I know we, we have some differences of opinion, especially if you have a business. I've heard six blocks. It seems like it's four blocks, six blocks, whatever it is. I hope it's not growing in, in radius or diameter. That's all I hope, Larry, because I've heard the same reports. First it was two, then it was four, and now it's six. Right. And so that... A Daily Mail reports uh, many of the Chaz's temporary anarchist residents are enjoying their time in the autonomous zone, hosting propaganda like movie nights and dance contests. A group of activists claiming to speak for the large Chaz banded together to issue a list of demands to Seattle administrators titled The Demands of the Collective Black Voices of Free Capitol Hill to the Government of Seattle, Washington. And they went on to say, yeah. we demand that the Seattle Council and mayor defund and abolish the Seattle Police Department and the attached criminal justice apparatus. And Here's the problem with that, Larry. You know, I, I've heard the same reports that you're that you did about this is, you know, kind of a free for all. There's free food. There's free this. There's free that. Like it's some sort of a self-contained Burning Man celebration. But what happens, as has already happened, if you watch Twitter what happens when somebody commits a crime? I mean, cop-free doesn't mean crime-free. And sadly, when there are no police officers available to respond to crimes being committed, how in the world are they going to protect each other? I mean, some of the people in there, they have kids, they have wives, they have husbands. They care about their families too. Who are they going to turn, turn to for help if, God forbid, they are victimized? as has already been taking place. As you can imagine, when you have enough people in the same space for the same amount of period of time, they haven't slept, they haven't eaten, a lot of them have no place to take showers. What's going to happen here? Yeah, it's interesting. Is this going to uh, uh, bolster the Second Amendment? I mean, are people going to have to get trained in how to defend their families? I'm seeing some horrific video on Facebook of people being beat, and nobody steps in to stop it. And, so uh, we're talking about both the First Amendment and then wrapping it up with the Second Amendment right before the break. I love that, Larry. So hold that thought, especially in terms of the First Amendment. After the break, we're going to move from Chaz to the Constitution. Do we still have that? From watching the news this week, you might wonder, but please stay with us. We're going to be back in a flash with more of, of Live with Dr. Wendy. Stay here.
news cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to Headline Highlights live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more live with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Live with Dr. Wendy. As promised, we are going to move from Chaz to the Constitution. Now, I made the joke of, do we still have that? You might wonder if you watch what's going on in the streets. But yes, we do. And many people are ensuring that we always will. And that has to do with the way we can speak, with the way we gather, we associate, and the way we worship. To set the stage, many of you might remember, if you follow such things, the Supreme Court at the end of May turned away a request from a church in California to block enforcement of these state restrictions that we had then on attendance at religious services. Now, what's more surprising to those of you that are legally minded is the vote breakdown. It was five to four. Now, that's not a surprise with the the U.S. Supreme Court. But what was a surprise to many people was that Chief Justice John Roberts joined the court's four-member liberal wing to form a majority. Now, it turns out that state governments ended up doing their own thing anyway, not necessarily because they followed the Supreme Court ruling, but because they were largely driven by the will of the people. What's the latest on this? To get a perspective on this, Wendy, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Pastor Jack Hibbs. Jack Hibbs is the founder and senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, located in Southern California. Now, we had that uh, Supreme Court decision, as you just remembered, and I'd even checked today to make sure it's still accurate that uh, under the California guidelines, a church uh, auditorium, regardless if it can seat 100 or 1,000, is only allowed to have 25% of the congregation or 100 people, whichever is less. Uh, Now, Pastor Hibbs, I know you opened your church on Sunday, May 31st. How did that go? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. It it went, honestly, I must confess, it went as expected, knowing our congregation. That is a very diverse congregation. It's a very large congregation of some 30 years now. So they're very committed to the Word. I, I make it a point to make sure that they understand biblically their worldview. And so uh, it just, it, it was very obvious that when they showed up on campus that day, the joy, tears, literally uh, like a, a reunion of family members. And uh, it was done very orderly. We had it extremely well executed and, and safe. But, you know, as Wendy was saying a moment ago, we, we just did not, could not, would not abide by the 100 maximum person uh, restriction. But um, we have a very strong commitment to the Word of God, and we, we have a very strong commitment to our constitutional freedoms, and so we exercise those. We'll continue to do so, and um, we think, we believe that the people at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills every Sunday are the safest people on earth, frankly, the way that we're taking care of them. So it, it was more than, more than uh, beautiful, i got, I got to tell you, but I expected the people to love on each other like they did, and sure enough. That's great. Pastor Hibbs, I know that um, you and your family share a love of the beach. I know your, your greatest joy, I think you've described it as spending time with your three grandchildren. So congratulations. Yeah. I'm sure that's a, that sounds like a handful. Um, yeah. When you opened your church, 
Um, obviously, many people poured in. They were happy to be there. Um, social distancing, was that something that you noticed that people wanted to practice, uh, did practice? Uh, did you find that you had some congregants that are still a little shy coming back right away, even though the church is now open? Yeah, great question, Wendy. All of the above, to be honest with you. Um, we we went beyond uh, providing safe space distancing. For example, our our uh, courtyard is quite large, uh, about a hundred thousand square foot courtyard outdoors, and we had very large vinyl dots that were uh, on the ground throughout the courtyard, where, <laughs> where a family of six comfortably could sit there in their lawn chairs. That was the outside congregation, and then we That's had another great. congregation out on the back grass uh, area, same dot set up. But then inside the sanctuary, we have a 3,000-seat sanctuary. We had about 1,200 people, and it was ticketed, you guys, so everything was orderly. You would get your ticket. Of course, it's a free ticket, but you get your ticket on Friday. You knew exactly where you were sitting, and uh, so we, we you know, created that environment, but i got to tell you guys, it was beautiful because there were people who came. In our county, for example, we've had no mask restrictions for a, quite a while, but some people came with masks. God bless them. If they need the mask, they should. Nobody yeah. shamed anybody. Nobody picked on anybody. Everybody honored that. But most of the people, i got to tell you, they flew into each other's arms when they saw each other, and, and they, they just did what they've always done. And so uh, it was, you know, it was, it was measured. It was responsible. Uh, but the affection, I mean, you know, if you don't have a church community, family, it's probably impossible for you to relate to what I'm talking about. But, you know, a long time ago I learned just from reading the Bible that if, if blood is thicker than water, then the spirit is thicker than blood. And that's the life. Amen. I, my closest family members don't even share the same DNA that I have. It's the church family. So mm. we love, you know, listen, we can love our people better than Gavin Newsom can. We can love our people better than any uh, anybody can. And so... The backstory to all of this, you guys, is that we were not getting an answer from the governor's office. Right from the shutdown, I physically petitioned the governor, called his office. We tried to get a response out of him for leadership. And you well know, you guys, he just kicked the can down the road when it came to addressing the church. And so, well, you know, uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you exactly about that um, conversation that you opened with him, and I've watched you on major news networks discussing this issue as a practical matter. How do you think that conversation affected his ultimate decision to reopen? I don't think it did. I really don't, because if you look at the chronology of it, even about a week and a half out before his his recommendations for church gatherings, which was very recent. Remember that? It, I, I, I think do. it was the 31st. Well, yeah. um, do you remember that President Trump and A.G. Barr, the Thursday before, uh, basically announced it's time for churches to open up. It's time to go for it. We need people to get back into churches and get normal. Well, that was on a Thursday, and by 6 o'clock Friday, Gavin Newsom announced you know, an epiphany, and it was... Imagine he's that. Rules. Yeah, he's got rules and regulations. Uh, they'll be ready on Monday. Well, that means, right. you know, somebody in the governor's office worked all weekend long <laughs> to produce these rules. They, they weren't going to come until 
Trump actually threw down. You know, I think you have more influence than you give yourself credit for, because the (laughs) arguments that you've advanced have been echoed by so many leaders across the country. That puts a lot of pressure on someone like Gavin Newsom. Remember that news conference where he revealed his own Catholic upbringing and his own love for people of faith. I believe, and Larry, can I, Larry, I'd like to know what you think about this. I believe you had more influence through these conversations you were sparking than you believe. What do you think, Larry? Right, Pastor Hibbs, I wanted to, uh, I just read a uh, Newsweek opinion piece, believe it or not, and it says Democrats' hypocrisy on riots mm-hmm. reveals political nature of the coronavirus lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And they're out there marching with the, the rioters right. in certain cases, but yet the churches are pretty much on lockdown. We just drove through a, a Carlsbad uh, village up here in the, in the San Diego area, and everybody was out there eating uh, out in the open and so forth like nothing had ever happened. My wife showed me something. The casinos are open, and people are right next to each other in the casinos, yet the church have these regulations. It is not fair. It is unjust. Well, Larry, it's so well said. And, you know, I, I've got to tell you that I, I'm not only a pastor, but I'm, I'm an amateur uh, historian in this area. I love America's history. I read it all the time, study it all the time. I'm always reading the mail of George Washington and Sam Adams. And I know that the country that I've been born into has been a gift by, uh, to me from God. And I know my First Amendment. You know, Wendy, you mentioned earlier the Second Amendment. I was listening to the program. And these things that our founding fathers recognized, that's why they're the First and Second Amendment. These were things that transcend law. I mean, listen to them in their own words. The First and Second Amendments came about because they recognized that these are internal laws of nature written upon a man's heart, that he will, number one, speak his mind, Man will speak his mind even if you put him in prison. He's going to speak his mind. And then the other thing is, it's human nature divinely given that man will defend his his property, his family, his person. So you have the Second Amendment. That's why it's the First and Second Amendment. That is so true. You can't change that. So when our nation says that a church has the freedom to assemble, now this sounds reckless, but it is the law. Even in the midst of a pandemic— the First Amendment is never suspended. The First Amendment transcends, uh, you know, what we're hearing and watching take place. When you've got governors and even healthcare officials guessing, well, you know, it's three feet, no, it's six feet. Well, you should you should wear a mask. These people don't have to wear a mask, um, you know. And then just today, we're hearing about how Texas has the greatest spike in cases, and everybody's thinking that there's dead people laying along the road. Nobody's asking what a case means. The cases go up because the testing has increased, and most of the cases are proving to be asymptomatic people. They were never even sick. But the way they spin the news is that we're all going to die, and if we get back to church, oh, my gosh, you're irresponsible, you're going to kill people. Well, listen, we didn't force anybody back to church, but thousands and many thousands of people per service have been coming ever since. And I think if there's any turnaround, um, (laughs) our streets are are rioting. Our people are uh, in our country without a rudder. Now's the time for the church to speak truth. Now's the time for the church to speak up and say, listen, you need a purpose for living, and writing's not it. You need your sins forgiven by the love of God through Jesus Christ. He died for you, rioter. So put down the brick and start living a real life that matters instead of this insanity, because 
I love that. We have to leave it there, but that is a perfect, perfect tone to end on. It's also important because we have a lot of business-minded voters listening also. Yeah. So we that that is just perfect to actually remind everybody of that. Um, I, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. How can people find out more about your ministry and your church? You have a oh, website? Wow. Yeah, they can simply go to the website, uh, calvarycch.org, or just simply, if they just Googled my name, it'll take you to all the various sites, Jack Hibbs, or you can go to jackhibbs.com and find your way there. Thank you, guys, awesome. very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Please join us next week, same time, uh, Saturday, 6 p.m. Pacific, with Live with Dr. Wendy, as we continue to bring you news you can use, headlines with a silver lining, have a blessed week. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.